I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the body of Christ. Aren't you? What a great family we have. Solomon was uh, very wealthy, very wise, very powerful. He spends almost the whole book of Ecclesiastes dealing with some of the great questions in life. Very interesting book. It's kind of tucked away back there in the sticky part of the Old Testament. Two verses I want to read in your hearing when he's dealing with a question that's, I think, very appropriate for us today in the 21st century. Ecclesiastes 6.1. He makes this observation. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it's common among men. A man to whom God hath given riches, wealth, and honor. Understanding there's a difference between riches and wealth. Riches is material gain. Wealth is quality of life, wholeness. He said, a man to whom God hath given riches, wealth, and honor, so that he wanteth nothing for his soul of all that he desireth. Everything he could want, he is given. Yet God giveth him not power to eat thereof. God's given him everything. But man has a free will and has to decide what he's hungry for. Yet God giveth him not power to eat thereof, but a stranger eateth it. This is vanity. And it is an evil disease. Our subject this morning is simply this, living on empty in a house full of plenty. Living on empty in a house full of plenty. Lord, here we stand once again in your house. We ask you now, Lord, that you would anoint our hearts and minds to receive your word. Give us clarity of understanding. I ask that you would give me courage, wisdom to speak the word of God without fear. Help us, God, to grow closer to you, to be hungry for the things of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I have a uh, pastor friend who, um, him and his wife, uh, said to uh, Sister Amy and myself, um, have you guys watched this uh, series on the History Channel called Alone? And I said, no. And he said, well, you know, you should watch it. It's, it's pretty interesting. I said, what's the premise? He said, they, they take 10 people and they drop them off out in the wilderness and they don't have filming crews or anything there. They're just there all by themselves and they have to uh, survive. They have to get their own food. They have to make shelter. And uh, they give them 10 items that they can take. They take like a tarp and a knife or they get 10 items that they can choose. Of course, there's no electronics, no communication with anybody else. They are given a satellite phone and they can only use that once and that's to tap out. If they say we just can't handle it anymore, they call and they come and get them in a helicopter. They come and get them in a boat and they're out. They don't tell them what the other people are doing. They're isolated. They're by themselves in the wilderness. they got to fight off bears and mountain lions and wherever, whatever, cold, wet, all the things that can happen. And if they survive longer than anyone else, they win $500,000. And they give them cameras to film themselves, and so they have these GoPros and whatnot. And um, so I thought, well, that sounds kind of boring to me, watching a person sitting by themselves in the middle of the wilderness. So, you know, out of respect to our friends, I said, okay, you know, so Sister Amy and I watched one. Oh, my. 
we watched one, and I'm not a person that watches uh, very much television, but I can't seem to stop watching these crazy shows. I'm like, is he going to make it? There's a bear outside of his tent. He's got to catch some fish. He needs some fish. He doesn't have enough fish. And you watch them over the days and months and their bodies and they lose weight and they got to they got to find some got to know which mushroom to eat and which mushroom not to eat and and they got to eat the little snails and grubs and all of this stuff and uh just been fascinated with it they got to deal with the physical part they got to deal with the the mental thing they're all by themselves and and the emotional and all of the different aspects of it and so they have them in different places and this this one i was watching they were all down in pentagonia you know down there on the tip of the world really down there in the bottom down there in Argentina and they had them their way out in the wilderness and there was this guy and his name was Dave and Dave you know they drop him off with the weather it's a little bit warmer and they got time you know to fish and get and you got to like make hay while the sun shines because then it gets colder colder the longer you survive the colder it gets and uh, so usually you know they try to catch a fish and then they eat it and and they got a, a little bit of strength to go the next day and so forth and well, Dave was good at uh, catching fish. He caught a bunch of fish, and he, he decided he would have a system in place where he could not only catch the fish, and, and, but he wouldn't eat them all at once. He, he learned how to, he kept the fish heads because he figured he could, he could make fish head soup and uh, boil the water and, and put the fish head in there, and, and it, it could last him. He figured he could last, you know, a lot longer than everybody else. And, and he took the, the fillets, the ones he didn't eat, and he just uh, he hung them up and dried them and smoked them and all this, and he stored and stored and stored and stored. And uh, he made it 10 days and 20 days and 30 days and 40 days and 50 days and 60 days. And you can see him. He's getting thin. His ribs are all sticking out. And I'm thinking, he's got a tent full of food. He loses 30 pounds, 40 pounds, 45 pounds. And, he, and I keep thinking, why does this guy not eat? And uh, so he keeps saying, you know, I don't want to eat it yet. I feel like I can make it on 200 calories a day. I'm thinking, I can't get up in the morning for 200 calories a day. I got to have a donut out there just to get out of bed. <laughs> and he, he says, no, I don't. And his face is caving in. Well, after they've been out there like 60, 70 days, they do these wellness checks. And they come, and all they do is test, all they do is they make them weigh, and, and they check their blood pressure, and they... They don't tell them what anybody's doing. They don't, all they do is to make sure they're not dying. And, and, and so I'm learning about this stuff about the human body. I know, Brother Anthony, you probably already know all this, but I didn't know this. When the body is losing weight, you know, it's eating up the fat. We want it to do that. But then when it gets through eating up all the fat, it starts eating up muscle. Well, you got muscle like that runs your heart and your organs and all that. So after a while, the body kind of cannibalizes itself and starts eating the stuff you really don't want to lose. I knew there was a reason why I didn't like diets. <laughs> Trying to protect my heart. <laughs> so Dave, I'm like, Dave, come on. Now you got a good name. You're the keepsake. I'm cheering him. I'm like, Dave, eat, Dave. You got to eat. You got fish, eat. And they come and do a wellness check on him and He's sitting there, he's all shriveled up like he just come out of a concentration camp. He's got ribs sticking all out. He climbs up on the scales, faces all. They take this, they take that, da-da-da. 
Well, doctors go and talk, and they come back, and they say, Dave, yeah, we have to pull you. Say what? We got to take you. He starts crying like a baby. What do you mean? They said, you're starving to death. He says, but I got fish in my tent. I'll go and eat them now. He said, you're too far gone. You can't just go and start eating. It's going to take you months to get back to a place of health. And he cries. He says, but my tent is full of food. He said, you're too far gone, Dave. We got to pull you. And he goes and gets on the boat or helicopter, whatever they pulled him out. And I'm sitting there watching this and thinking to myself, that's what's happening to us in America spiritually. We are starving to death in a land of plenty. We have churches on every block. There's programs on Facebook, YouTube, worship, church. And guess what, folks? We are living on empty spiritually in a house full of food. Solomon says, God can give you a lot of things. He can give you riches. He can give you wealth. He can give you honor, but he does not give you the power to eat. He gives you free will to determine what you're hungry for. So my question to you today is, what are you hungry for? What do you value? What do you desire? Because a preacher can't give it to you. Your mom and dad can't give it to you. Only you can decide if you're going to eat or not eat. But I've come to preach to you today. There is a table spread where the saints of God are fed. Come and dine. Come and dine. The master calling. What a pity to be surrounded by food and not eat it. Surrounded with everything that you need and yet turn from it and starve yourself to death in a house full of food. Starve yourself spiritually when all around you is nourishment. George Barna is a Christian. He does research on the church in America. It's called the Barna Research Group. He's been doing it for a number of years. It's considered to be scientific and accurate. And this week, George Barna and the Barna Research Group released some studies that they've done over the last four months of how the church in America has responded to COVID-19. They found that one in three practicing Christians in America has stopped attending church over the past four months. It's a pretty high number, 33 and a third percent. But you figure there's some people that are afraid to go to church, and so they must be watching it from home. Hmm. 
That's what I thought when I read that until I went to the next statistic. The next thing they found is that half, everybody say half, of practicing Christian millennials have not viewed an online service in the last four months. Now, these are practicing Christians. These are people that go to church. But 50% of the millennials, you know who millennials are? They're younger than me. They know how to work an iPhone. They know how to work an iPad. 98% of them are online every day. But only 50% of them have watched anything spiritual over the past four months. Now, they're watching something. People can't go to work. You know, people can't go out, shelter in place, blah, blah, blah. They are watching something. But it's not church. 50% that would normally be in the house of God or not in the house of God and not even watching at home. And yet at home, there's Facebook, there's YouTube, there's online streaming. You can go to 12 different services today. If you're watching online, you can visit all kinds of other churches. There's a plethora of available programming, but yet we're not. Is it possible that the church in America who has been blessed so much, who has seen the power of God, who has seen the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, who have seen people healed, get up out of wheelchair, blinded eyes open. We've seen God break away where there seemed to be no way, and we're starving to death in a land of plenty. And I'll tell you why we are. Because we're pushing it off. Just like Dave. He said, I didn't eat the food because I felt like it could get me through the next two months. How many people are saying, I'm waiting for a more convenient season. I'm waiting for a time. Maybe later on when I'll get serious with God. I've come to preach. There's no better time than right now. You better eat. You don't realize it. But you're starving to death spiritually. You better get your knife. And you better get your fork. And you better dig in. Because there is a God who desires to nourish you. Banquet of opportunities. Is it possible that we're starving to death spiritually while we live in a house full of food? Now Solomon says this is not anything new. He says, when you get plenty, it becomes vanity and vexation of the spirit. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 4, he makes some observations about his own life. He says, I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. I planted trees and them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water there with the wood to bring forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasures of kings and of the provinces. I, I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. I mean, he had a plethora. He had a praise and worship service. He could just snap his fingers. About like us. You got an iPhone, you can and snap of fingers, you can have a praise and worship service going on in front of you. 
And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. Whatever I wanted, I withheld not my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works of my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. And there was no profit under the sun. This is all his way of saying he was empty. Though he had everything. Empty of purpose, empty of meaning, void of satisfaction. Ladies and gentlemen, could it be that every blessing that you have in your life came down from the Father of lights? But we have been blessed so much that now we don't understand what it all means. In the text we read that Solomon says, it's an evil disease. What disease? That we could have so much and yet have so little. Then he makes this observation. He says a stranger comes in and eats it. Somebody that didn't grow up with it comes in and sees the value in it. Is it possible for me to grow up in church, have godly parents, and not realize that I live in a house of plenty? And I can decide not to partake of it. And someone who has not had an upbringing in church, someone who, who's a stranger to the presence of God, can come in and see the value of it and consume it with a heart of thanksgiving. And say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Could it be that somebody that wasn't raised in a Christian family, somebody that had to battle a drug addiction, somebody that had to battle an alcohol addiction, somebody that had to get past the pain of a broken relationship could come in and say, I wasn't raised with it all, but I see the value. I feel the anointing. I know this is a banquet. And somebody else like me can be raised in it all and literally starved to death at the foot of a banquet table. I'm calling on this great church to get hungry for the things of God. I'm calling on this great church, East Quinn Pentecostal, to get hungry for the things of God. God's not going to put it in you. You got to make up in your mind, I'm going to partake. You got to make up in your mind, I'm hungry. You got to decide to get hungry. You got to decide what to desire. You got to decide what you're going to reach for. This is why the Bible says that God loved Jacob and he hated Esau. That's what Romans says. He loved Jacob and he hated Esau. The birthright, the blessing belonged to Esau. He didn't care that much about it. You got Esau, you got it all there for you. You don't have to work for it. It's just all there. You're the oldest. You get the birthright. Yeah, I don't care about it. What? I'd rather have a bowl of soup than the blessings of my father. You'd rather have some little trinket, some little natural satisfaction, rather than the blessings and the favor of God upon you and your children and your family and your children's children. But he said, Jacob, I've loved. How can you love at something that Esau did not have? He had desire. 
I desire the things of God. I want the Lord more than anything else in my life. I desire the birthright. Jacob, how are you going to get it? One way or another, I'm going to get it. And God moved all of heaven and earth and took the birthright from the oldest son and gave it to the youngest. And he said, I'm going to bless him. And I love him. Why? Because he's got a tenacious spirit. He doesn't always do the right thing. But I've never had to doubt his desire. Oh, my friend, it doesn't matter who your daddy was. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what. I feel the Holy Ghost all by myself. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. All that matters is, do you desire God? Are you hungry for the things of God? Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. God doesn't use you because of who your dad is. Because of who your dad was, because of who your granddad was, he chooses people that are hungry. He can give you everything else. He just needs to know, are you thirsty? Are you hungry? Do you want it? I feel a hunger arising in this church. This is illustrated in the story of the prodigal son. He had a house full of food. He had everything he needed. His daddy was rich. He loved him. He didn't want for anything. But he got bored. When I was a kid, I used to make the mistake of telling my mom or dad that I was bored. Don't ever do that. I learned to stop saying I was bored. If I was bored, I kept it to myself. Because when I would tell my parents I was bored, they'd say, come with me. We're going to find you some work to do. I've noticed on this survival documentary that there are a lot of things that can knock you out. The cold can knock you out. The lack of shelter can knock you out. Hunger can knock you out. And getting injured can knock All these things can knock you out. But the one thing I don't understand is people have it all. They got their beautiful, they make these incredible shelters, got them all insulated, got leaves and things in there to make the bed more comfortable. They got all the food. And they, some of them build little boats and they got everything. There's some of these guys, I'm like, that guy could spend six months out there. He's all set up. And then one day he just wakes up and goes, uses a little satellite phone and says, Come pick me up. I'm like, what? Where, where are you going? You're hell. I mean, I literally yell at the screen. Well, I'm sitting on a couch with Krispy Kreme donuts. What's the matter with you? He's like, oh, I'm just bored. I don't have anything else to prove. You're just a few days away from a half million dollars. See, they don't know when the other people check out. They don't know how much time they got left. The church doesn't know how much time we've got left. We got something greater than a half million dollars. We got heaven to gain. One day in the near future, the trumpet's going to sound. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. Don't tap out because you're bored. 
Don't tap out because God's met all your needs. Don't tap out because God has blessed you. There's still something to gain. There's something to obtain. Come on, you gotta occupy until he comes. You gotta keep on working. You gotta keep on striving. You gotta keep on loving. You gotta keep on reaching. It's gonna be worth it all. You got everything you need. All you got to do is keep desire. Don't lose interest. Don't run out of gas on the last mile. Is it possible that we could lose our soul because we just got so used to the presence of God? And it wasn't exciting anymore. We just got bored. We've been in his presence so much. We've sat at the foot of the cross. We've sat in heavenly places. He has met all of our needs. But we just tap out. Because we don't have anything to hunger for. I'm asking this church before it's too late. Stay hungry. Stay hungry. He's not going to give you the power to partake. You got to decide to eat. You got to decide to eat. The prodigal son had to come to himself and say, What in the world am I doing out here starving to death? My father's house is full of food, and the servants have it better than me. Oh, my friend, you got to get hungry. You got to stay hungry. You got to say, I don't care. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. I'm not going to let a stranger come in and take my blessing. I'm going to stay hungry. I got to get hungry. I got to get desperate. I got to make up in my mind. Nothing else matters except that I hunger for the things of God. Would you stand to your feet? All through the, the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon takes this journey of self-evaluation, trying to find what it all means. You talk about a guy living in a house of plenty. People came from all over the world just to see his house. Traveled across deserts just to see how much God had blessed him. He, by his own admission, had everything. Everything. And he spends all the book of Ecclesiastes, fascinating, 13 chapters. If you haven't read it, go home and read it. He gets to the very end of chapter 13. And he says, now let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. What's it all mean? Because I've tried everything and I found out that a lot of stuff is just vanity and a vexation of the Spirit. But he said, here's what I've concluded. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man.
when it's all said and done, Solomon says, fear God. Keep his commandments. Because if you'll fear God and keep his commandments, you'll stay hungry. You'll partake of his word and his spirit. You'll keep putting yourself in that atmosphere. May not all be satisfied in one day, but if you just keep going back to the table, if it's at home on the internet, if it's in a house of God, wherever it is, every day, come on, you got to feed your spirit. Give me more of you, Lord. You've blessed me, but I want more of you tomorrow than I had yesterday. Come on, this is the one thing you can get greedy about. I hunger for you, oh God. I desire the things of God more than my necessary food. One thing, if you get injured, it's another thing. You get cold, you get hurt. It's another thing if you starve to death. But to leave, to tap out when it was all there in front of you. How sad. All you had to do was go in there and put one of those fillets of fish in your mouth. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are once again in the presence of God. And these worship singers just sang such a beautiful song. I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. Let the world bow down and say you are God. <laughs> One day every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. But once again, here you and I are in the presence of God. Brother Dylan Morgan is going to come and pray the prayer of faith. If you've got special prayer you want, you feel free to come down to the front. We'll put on masks. The ministry team will pray with you. But if you say, Lord, I just want you to increase my hunger, I wonder if you would just raise your hand where you're standing right now and, and would you lift your voice and would you just say, God, I'm asking for a double portion of hunger. I'm asking you, Lord, to help me to desire the things of God like I never have before. Come on, would you lift your hands? Would you lift your voice all over this building? Come on, could we hear the hungry cry out right now in this room? I'm asking you for your voice to be the loudest thing in this room right now if you're hungry. Like the man of God has preached about today, if you're hungry, would you lift your hands? Would you extend them up to heaven right now and would you just begin to cry out all across this room? Come on, you got to let your hunger show in this house today. God, I'm more hungry for you than I am anything after this service. I'm more hungry for you than I am around anything else in this world. Come on. Uh, he said it already. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Uh, that needs to be our motto. Leave it here today. Come on. Come on, extend your voices unto heaven. There's a deep calling in the deep right now. There is a deep calling in the deep right now. Would the deep call, would the deep begin to cry out? Come on, from your innermost being, down from your spirit, from your gut, would you just begin to tell God, I'm more hungry for you than I am my next breath. I'm more hungry for you than I am anything else in this world.
If you need a special touch of the Holy Ghost, if you need something to take place in your body, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in a new tongue, we want you to come to the front. We're going to put a mask on. We're going to do you safe. We're going to honor social distancing. But right now, we need to lift our hands and we need to begin to cry out. Come on, churchy. Come on, we can't leave here with the same level of hunger. We can't leave here with the same level of thirst. We've got to be elevated in this room right now. By the authority of the word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus, I unleash the gift of faith to begin to flow into this room right now, God. Begin to heal every sick person. Begin to fill everybody that's in this room that needs the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Lord, we pray that you would stir our hearts, God. Stir us as family units in this room to take time in the morning and give it to you. Stir us in this room, God, that before we go to bed, we begin to call upon the name of Jesus and we begin to apply your name to our lives. Come on, church, that's it. Something's moving in this room. One more time. Come on, call upon his name. Call upon his name. Come on, the Spirit of the Lord is here. He's here to heal. He's here to feel. He's here to deliver. But just as a man of God preaches, Pastor Myers preached, he's here to call out a hunger in the saints of the Most High. We got to get back to hungering for the glory. We got to get back to hungering for the things of God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. Oh, come on, that's it. Oh, come on, that's it. Could we do with his song? Could we just begin to dance in his presence? Could we bow down before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords right now? Could we not worry about what time it is or what maybe we have to do after service? Can we tell God, I'm more hungry for you right now than I am anything else in this world? Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus. We've already had one receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Come on. I'm hungry for it, Jesus. I'm hungry for it, Jesus. If you're here today and you're tired, you're tired of this life that you've been living. You're tired of sin. You're tired of shame and guilt. And you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in a new tongue. Today is your day. This is the day of salvation. I challenge you to lift your hands right now. Find somebody with an east wind badge. Find somebody in ministry. We're going to pray with you and God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Come on church, let's just stir the gifts right now. Yes, the world will bow down and say you are gone. And every man will bow down and say you are king. So let's start right now. Why would we? King of glory, King 
with you Yes, the world, yes, the world will bow down and say you are God. Every man will bow down and say you are King. So let's start, so let's start right now. Why would we? Until you come again Oh Jesus, we will dance in your presence Until you come again Say we will sing, we will sing hallelujah Until you come again Oh, we're gonna dance in your presence yes, we'll dance in your presence until you come again we will sing hallelujah we'll sing hallelujah until you come again we will dance we will dance in your presence until you come again forth in the New Testament he begins to talk about ten versions how five were wise and five were foolish the only thing that separated them the only thing that was the difference in them was in their preparation of keeping themselves full of the oil they filled their lamps the five wise did while the other thought they had enough to just make it they thought well maybe the bridegroom really isn't coming tonight or maybe he's coming just a little bit further down the road and we'll have time to fill our lamps up in the morning. But at that moment when the friend of the bridegroom began to say, he's coming, the bridegroom's coming, the bridegroom's coming. That's when those wise were able to strike those lamps. And when they turned on, they had enough oil for the journey. Right now, what he began to talk about was the wisdom of Solomon. And he understood that a wise man, he, he has that hunger within himself. See, there's something about the parallel of what he preached about today in that, in that parable. And right now, some of us may be saying, well, I, I have enough. I, I have enough to get here tomorrow. Or I have enough to get here Sunday. And I'm not just trying to convict you, but we're in the last of the last days. 
and every opportunity we get in his presence we've got to have that undefiled hunger that says i may have enough but i want to be on full before i walk out of this place because the bridegroom's coming soon one more time would you lift your hands by the authority of the word of god and by the power of the name of jesus let there be a hunger in this room that would come on let's show god this lamp's gonna be full i'm gonna hunger and thirst after you Come on, lift your voices. Lift your voices under the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'm going to dance right now. We will dance in your presence. 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 Dance with
Just wanna be with you. 